reading for this morning's sermon is taken from Genesis chapter 15. We'll be reading verses 1 through 6, and at the conclusion of that, um, you're welcome to turn with me to John 8, but I'm just going to cite one, one portion of that text to you, which will make sense in the moment. Let's begin with Genesis 15, and uh, we pick up here uh, God's, God's pursuing of Abraham. Just as God comes into our lives and pursues, calls us, so God was pursuing Abraham, calling Abraham. And in chapter 15, he comes to meet with Abraham once again. Genesis 15, beginning with verse 1, this is God's word. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, uh, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring, rather so shall your descendants be. And he that is Abraham Rather, he, that is, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Jesus explains to us what is happening in and through this text. He does so in John chapter 8, verse 56. Jesus says that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it. And was glad. Let's pray for his blessing. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of your word made flesh. As we thank you for these gifts, we remember that that. Not our worry or anxiety or work. Not even your gifts themselves can do us any good. Only your blessing. We ask then your blessing upon the gift of your word that we would see it in the the light and truth of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we ask. Amen. Well, it's that time again. It's that special time of the year when much of the world is thinking about Christmas. I don't know about you, but as I turn to the radio, as I, as I walk through a number of different stores and even walk through my neighborhood, it seems like everyone is preparing for the big day. Uh, the big day. Of course, uh, most people are thinking about that day in terms of culture. There are summer holidays, fall holidays, winter holidays, 
and the preparation for each of them uh, exist, serve to build excitement that will come and uh, then, of course, uh, move on. My, my, my family, my household, we experience the same kinds of things. For example, birthdays. We get all excited about birthdays. And I don't know, it's about a week or two, maybe even more, we start talking to each other about some birthday to come. We've got seven of them in our house. So throughout the year, there's always some kind of conversation about the birthday and what are we going to do and what are we going to buy. And, and um, inevitably, a day or two leading up to it, we're, we're celebrating it. And, and, then, and then the big day comes and you kind of leave it with a sigh and there you are, 50 years old, anticipating what it will be like to be 51. Uh, I don't know quite yet, but I'll tell you when it comes. Uh, I, you know, as a Christian, uh, I enjoy the festivities of, of special days and of holidays. I enjoy the festivities of Christmas. I'm sure that you do as well. But isn't it true that these things can often distract us. The festivities surrounding Advent and Christmas can often distract us from the truth, goodness, and glory of the season. Even the frequent emphasis on love misses the point because the frequent emphasis on love usually refers to our love. But, of course, Christmas is not about our love. It is about God's love for us. It is about God's love for the world. Christians have always known this. We have known the truth of Christmas, and we acknowledge the natural instinct, the natural instinct within each of us to suppress the truth suppress the truth of Christmas. We have that natural instinct. And if you think about it, if Christians struggle to maintain the true meaning of the season, if we, if we struggle uh, to maintain the truth of life, then how much more our neighbors? And you see, that's why Christians, that's why the Christian church has long treasured the season of Advent, the weeks preceding Christmas, a special time to prepare for the coming of our Lord, a special time to remember the true meaning of Christmas, a special time to focus on the good gifts of our God, a special time to pray for his glorious return. You see, that's Advent. That's what Advent should be about. Uh, Not the hustle and bustle of of more things and presents and activities, but rather to remember, focus, and pray for the coming of Christ. At Grace URC up in Portland, our theme over this Advent season has been the gifts of Advent. Um, And today our focus, uh, our focus here at Salem It's going to be the gift of faith. And we're going to do so. We're going to focus in on the gift of faith uh, following the themes of anticipation, fulfillment, and expression. I think you have that in your bulletin and your outline. Let's begin with the gift of faith. The gift of faith 
anticipated. Faith, of course, is a familiar word. Uh, We see it in books, uh, movies, we hear it on the radio. In fact, I did a little search and found that one of the more popular songs is titled Faith. I I looked, I saw it on on YouTube, and and just on YouTube, uh, the, the song had over 20 million views the last I checked, which I think is probably a few more than what the live stream here at uh, Emmanuel's has. Uh, 20 million views for this song, Faith. And I was intrigued to find it was written by an Ethiopian singer. And uh, what this song describes is his practice, listen to this, his practice of drugs, infidelity, and habitual violence as the result of losing faith. What he explains in that song is that faith was something he once had, and when he did, life was stable. But then he lost faith, and he lost control. Uh, what, what, what is revealed through this is, is, a, is a universal truth that all people of all nations, in fact, everyone from singers to scientists, need faith. Uh, last week, I was watching a documentary on the exploration of Mars, and I was so intrigued that again and again, the scientists and engineers were expressing a kind of faith in their mission. All of this then emphasizes the importance of faith for humans, for humans. Kids, we don't talk about trees having faith, do we? We don't talk about birds having faith. We don't talk about pets or well, at least in my house, we don't talk about pets having faith. I don't know about your house, but that's not usually something we associate with even our favorite pets, is it? No, the truth is that faith is important for people. Faith is important for people. And that then raises a very, very important question. What is faith? What is faith? Faith A common understanding of faith, anyways, is that faith is a thing. Faith is a quality or virtue that can be gained or lost. Uh, Like the song I was referencing a moment ago, talking of how I lost faith. We hear things like that quite frequently, don't we? A Christian understanding of faith, however, is that faith is a gift of God and that faith as a gift of God is not so much a thing but, uh, as, but, but uh, of life. Faith is the gift of God for life. And just to, to, to linger on that for a moment, when we think about faith, when we read the Bible and we find that faith is a, is a gift of God for life, we need to be clear that we're not so much talking about the, the, the gift of life we find in Genesis 1 or creation in general, but rather we're talking about that, that, that gift of God for new life. Uh, the, the, the gift of God that is associated with that new birth that Jesus talks to Nicodemus about. And uh, in that sense, then, faith is nothing less than an essential and necessary gift of eternal life. That which God works 
within the soul. Some of you I know have been memorizing our catechism, and one of the favorites at our church is question answer 21, which describes and what speaks of faith as being created by the Holy Spirit. Faith is, is nothing less than, than a, a miraculous work of God by which he creates within our soul faith. Spirit does that through the power and ministry of the gospel. And so as we come to a biblical understanding of faith, we find that true faith cannot be lost any more than than we could like lose life. There are qualities to this faith. We often speak about the qualities of, of true faith and new life as having a certain knowledge of God, of, of having a certain um, assent to those truths which God reveals, and then trusting in God. That's a general way of speaking about faith, isn't it? A gift of God which includes knowledge, assent, and trust. Uh, One thing we don't often emphasize enough, I think, however, is, is is the anticipation. Faith as an anticipation of what is still to come. We anticipate things, don't we? We anticipate birthdays. We anticipate holidays. The anticipation of faith, however, is quite different. It's not anticipating the common or kind of ordinary things that come and go in life, but the anticipation of faith is all about the advent of Jesus Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And we see that in the story of Abraham, don't we? We see in the story of Abraham, God, he's kind of just doing his own thing. He's kind of living his own life. And God comes for him. God calls for him. In Genesis 12, God comes and calls Abraham, speaks to Abraham, gives him the promises of a Savior who would come. Genesis 15, which we read from in our text, God comes to Abraham. Again, think of that holy meeting with God, that holy assembly of God's people. I don't know, was Abraham by himself? Maybe. But he was surrounded by the host of heaven. God comes to Abraham. He calls him into his holy presence for a moment of worship, ministering the word into his life. And what we have then is that beautiful statement that Abraham, he not only heard what God said, he believed what God said, and it was counted to him as righteousness. What's happening? What's happening in that text? What what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us what's happening in and through that text that nothing less than than God sovereignly creating within, within Abraham true faith, you see, Faith that looks to and anticipates the coming of Jesus into the world. The advent of Jesus. John 8. 
Jesus says that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Yes, faith is a knowing, trusting with this insurance of God's promises. It is also this great anticipation for the coming of Jesus. John 1 verse 9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was already in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the flesh, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's pretty clear as we read the Bible, faith is a gift of God. Specifically, faith is a gift of Advent, the coming of God into the world to work the new life of faith within our hearts, knowing, trusting this assurance with anticipation that what God has graciously given through faith must be fulfilled. Uh, that's our second thing to consider this morning as we, as we consider the, the gift of faith, that, that faith is not only uh, some anticipation, but faith is also um, about fulfillment. Abraham and the Old Testament saints knew that fulfillment would come in Christ. Kids, when you read through the Old Testament and you read of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we don't always stop to, to, to remember that they were looking for the coming of Jesus, much like you and I are looking for the coming of Jesus. And that's the point Jesus explains in chapter 3 to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a teacher of Israel, and, and Jesus, Jesus presses Nicodemus about the kingdom of God. And uh, he says, no one can see or participate in the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, it's understandable that Nicodemus was confused by that language. What does it mean to be born again, Jesus? And so he explains in John 3, verse 10, Well, Nicodemus, uh, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is speaking about himself there, isn't he? And he goes on in verse 14 to say, And as Moses lifted up the servant into the will, rather, as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is saying that what the Old Testament saints like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and Israel, what those Old Testament saints were anticipating through faith has finally come. The promised seed and son has come in Jesus Christ, and it is his work and ministry that brings about the fulfillment of faith we so desperately need. 
Faith is not only an anticipation of Christ. Faith finds its fulfillment in the work of Christ. And the work of Christ to fulfill faith comes in two parts. Christ for us and Christ in us. Christ for us. Christ working for us. And then Christ working in us. Christ for us. What is that? Well, it's none other than than the eternal Son of God coming to take upon himself flesh and blood. It's the Creator coming uh, to become the created, a true man of body and soul, born of the Virgin Mary, the little baby. Christ for us is, is his growing up and, and, and learning uh, to, to speak the truths of God, of living for the glory of God, the fulfillment of his law. You know, as we read through the life of Jesus, we should see and, and look for Christ for us, Christ living and working for us. Not only uh, fulfilling the positive requirements of God's law, of perfect love for the Almighty, of perfect love for sinners like you and me, but, but Jesus also, also uh, maybe even preeminently lifting up himself to be a satisfaction of the required curse. Christ for us, you see, in his birth and his living and his dying and his resurrection. Jesus lived and died for our justification and he rose again for our adoption. That's what we heard earlier in the service, isn't it? That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, his only son, born of a woman, born under the law to save those who are under the law that we might be adopted as sons and heirs of the heavenly kingdom. You see, that's Christ for us, satisfying the law of God in our place that we too would be sons and daughters of the king. Now, if you can imagine, there's even more. Not only has God in Christ come to satisfy the law on our behalf, he has also sent the spirit of his son to dwell within us, to not only work for us, but to work within us. You see, the justified need to be sanctified, and that's good news. Jesus didn't come only to forgive us our sins. Jesus came to free us from sin. Jesus came to free us from the condemnation that is ours. Jesus came to free us from the curse of death. And so while you and I may still suffer and will most likely die, we do so knowing that we do not bear upon ourselves the judgment we deserve, but rather we will suffer and we will die as those who have been united to Jesus and therefore find in him a greater fulfillment of our faith. Sanctification unto the eternal glory of his kingdom 
a fulfillment of our faith then that is peace with God and men, a life of peace with God and men. It brings us to our third point, that a faith is a, is a gift of God that anticipates the coming of Jesus and the fulfillment of Christ's work for us and in us. It then follows that, that faith must also be expressed. Uh, the Christian faith is going to be an expression of peace and life with God, of peace and life with men and the world. How does that happen? Well, first, there are three things to consider. First, this all happens as Christians gather for worship. Uh, it's, It's better to say that as God comes to us in worship, we come to him. In these times of worship, what we are participating in is a kind of physical and spiritual movement in which people are brought into peaceful communion with God. Did you know that was happening today? As you woke up this morning, you know, you weren't going to work or you weren't going to school. You weren't going to play with your, with your buddies. You wake up and you get ready and you, and you come to worship. And, and without us even really knowing what's happening, God is coming after us. God's coming after you. Like Abraham, he's coming to you. He's calling to you. And there's this, this physical preparation, this physical movement. As we come together, it's a physical and spiritual reality as we come to experience what true peace and communion with God is. It's happening right now. And that's one of the reasons we pray for visitors to come. That they too would come to faith in Jesus Christ and know peace with God as well. Why sit and cling to the world when it is passing away? Do we need any further reminder than the presents we unwrap at Christmas? How old, how quickly do they become old? How quickly does the tree dry out and die? Why would we cling to the things of this world when they pass away? Why not look instead by faith to Jesus Christ and to express that faith? Times of worship and in broader things of life. For example, how we express our faith and peace with God as Christian families. At this point, we might talk about the way we pray as families, the way we read the word as, pray, as families, our devotions together. And the, the list is long, isn't it? But how about this? How about the, the ways that we express our faith in times of hospitality? You know, just as God comes to you and me and, and we come to, to rejoice in that through times of worship, we're then sent out in the world, and, and, we, and we are to be uh, God's ambassadors to the world. Uh, we are to be uh, those messengers of Jesus Christ, salt and light. And, and one of the ways we can do it is to be a hospitable people. And what I'm talking about here is not holding these, these grand uh, parties um, and, and a huge feast. A lot of us struggle just to put a, a piece of toast on the table each morning. No, what I'm talking about is a spirit of hospitality, of of being a welcoming and hospitable presence among our neighbors. 
And in that, to be those who share faith and peace with our neighbors and the world. How about the ways that our faith is expressed, not only in times of worship and as hospitable families, but as Christian workers, as we embrace the vocation that God has given to us? It's not as if Christian employees do a different kind of work as much as we do it in a different kind of way. Think about it with me. In a world that scrambles for every dollar and can't stop working or, on the other hand, just refuses to work, Uh, Let's pray that our motivations and priorities would reflect that of Jesus Christ for us, in us, and through us. You know, we testify to him not only in our times of worship and, and the kind of hospitable spirit we have as families we testify to him in the ways that we, ro- we embrace our vocational callings and responsibilities and let our motivation and priorities be uh, that of his peace and love for the world. That's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. It's quite a remarkable passage. You may remember that he, uh, he, he surveys a litany of gifts that come from God, these spiritual gifts, and, and he concludes at the end of the chapter that these three remain, faith, hope, and love. There are so many gifts, even these spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul is suggesting they all come and go. Only three remain, faith, hope, and love. Christian faith, Christian hope, Christian love. If you come this morning and you have that faith, you have been given a gift that will never perish, spoil, or fade away. That's a gift worth remembering. That's a gift worth cultivating. That's a gift worth celebrating and sharing with our neighbors. In conclusion, briefly, think of this. The word advent, it means arrival or coming. It comes from the Latin word adventus, related to the Greek word parousia, and the Hebrew word ra'ah. As we go then from Old Testament anticipation As we come to ponder New Testament fulfillment in Jesus, the church has always believed the promises of God. Through eyes of faith, we have always looked with longing for the coming of our Lord and his kingdom. And so then, as the lights are hung this year, as presents are wrapped, let us be the first to prepare Let us be the first to prepare our hearts for the truth, goodness, and glory of Advent. And let us then remember, refocus, and become more passionate in our prayers for the coming of Jesus. You know what he said? Behold, 
I am coming soon. And we say, yes, Lord, come quickly. Amen. Our God and Father in heaven, as we come to to receive your word again on this day, we pray, O Lord, that um, we, we pray that we would that we would receive it through the gift of true faith. Oh, that you would by your Holy Spirit give faith, even in this moment. Oh, that you would by your Holy Spirit grow and mature our faith with a a greater anticipation and sense of fulfillment and union with Jesus Christ and, and that we would find ourselves wondering in amazement over the ways that Jesus came to work for us and the ways that Jesus continues to work in and through us. Oh, Father, may the gift of your own Son and Spirit continue to inspire an expression of this faith in times of corporate worship. May you continue to inspire the expression of this Christian faith within our homes, that we would be cultivating the the spirit of hospitality amongst our neighbors, and that we would be given the grace as well to express our faith and our vocations through our school, our work, May our motivation be not some kind of vain glory, but rather that of your most holy name. Oh, may our prayers then be fervent for the greater coming of Christ within us and through us. In his name, amen.